Hollywood writers are obsessed with the concept of an asteroid heading towards Earth and destroying civilization. But is this something we really should be worried about? I'm Kate the Chemist, and on my podcast, Seeking a Scientist, we meet the mastermind behind a real-life mission to divert the path of an asteroid. Subscribe to Seeking a Scientist, made possible by the Starris Institute. Up to date wants to know what you're talking about with family and friends. You can text UTD to 816-601-4777 to tell us. Again, 816-601-4777. This is Up to Date on KCUR 89.3. I'm Steve Kraske. Last week, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly vetoed a bill that would have brought a flat income tax rate of five and a quarter percent to Kansans. Despite having a supermajority, Republicans ultimately did not get enough votes to override that veto. As Kelly now pushes for a different kind of tax reform, will Republicans consider going in that direction? Or is tax reform in the 2024 legislative session dead in the water altogether, even though the state is carrying that $3 billion budget surplus? Joining us on a talk about it are two reporters who follow Topeka closely. They are Katie Bernard as a State House reporter for the Kansas City Star. Katie, welcome. Good to have you here. Thanks, Steve. And Sherman Smith is the editor-in-chief of the Kansas Reflector. Sherman, always good to have you as well. Good morning. Good morning. Happy to be here. First, Katie, let's talk about this original tax reform bill brought forward by Republicans. I'm talking about the flat tax idea. What was in that thing? Yeah, so there were several elements in that bill. The centerpiece was obviously the 5.25% flat income tax. Additionally, it had a lot of fairly bipartisan elements looking at reductions to state property tax, um, an elimination of the food sales tax, an increase in tied to inflation of the standard deduction, among other smaller items. The thinking being that if you threw that stuff in the bill, that just might entice the governor to sign it. Exactly. Yeah, but it didn't happen. No. Yeah. What does, uh, why does the governor oppose it, Sherman? What's your thinking on that? I think she views the the flat tax as something similar to the the brownback tax experiment. It would be very costly. It benefits the the wealthiest Kansans, uh, and you know could put the state in jeopardy of paying for you know school finance or essential services within a few years. Hmm. And with supermajorities in both chambers of the can of the Kansas legislature, were Republicans under the impression they were going to be able to ram this across the finish line without Kelly's support, Sherman? Well, I think the idea was to try to to get this so that they didn't have to trade it for Medicaid expansion uh, and to do it early enough in the session that they could see where the votes were. Um, I think the question now is, how do they save face and, and move forward from here? Katie, how surprising was it that Republicans weren't able to override the governor? Was was there a betting line going into that vote that people thought they might be able to get it done or not? You know, it wasn't necessarily surprising that the bill itself couldn't get through past an override. Um the surprising piece was that it didn't get past the House. When lawmakers took their initial vote, Back in January, the House appeared to have the votes, and the question was always going to be in the Senate, where the governor had pulled the support of Senators Olson, Dahl, and Pyle to really break that supermajority in the Senate. What was surprising was that several Republicans in the House switched their yes votes to a no on last week and killed the bill. Who are the House Republicans who ultimately decided to allow the veto to stand, Katie? 
Yeah. Um, operating off of memory, we're yeah. looking at uh, Younger, Schreiber, Jacobs and Garber, who are fairly conservative as opposed to Younger, and Schreiber, who are fairly moderate, and then uh, Dodson out of Man- Manhattan. And were those votes a surprise? Everyone but Younger was a surprise. Younger had voted against the plan from the beginning. He stayed with his original vote. The others changed their nose to a yes. Yeah. Is there any chance, do you think, Katie, that any of them might reverse course now uh, to allow the flat tax to become a reality? I think it's possible. I think it depends on what what a future plan looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that there were various reasons presented by by these Republicans for why they didn't support it. Um, you know, Schreiber said he didn't see a pathway when I was speaking to him for a flat tax this year. But, you know, once you see a plan, his main concern was the cost. And mm-hmm. so if there is a flat tax that costs less, he might he might be on board. Similarly, Garber, in his explanation of vote, expressed frustrations with the process more so than the policy itself. So what we're suggesting here is that there's some chance that this issue might rise again in the final weeks of the legislative session. Absolutely. And there's already a bill that has the flat tax in it again. Wow. Okay. Does this mean that any sort of flat tax bill is, uh, how do you see it, Sherman? Are you expecting another vote on this thing or are, are we done with it for the session? Well, I think nothing is ever dead. And yeah. You know, everything is still in play, really. You know, what what can you trade for the flat tax? Is it a full flat tax? Or maybe it's just kind of chipping away at that upper bracket somehow. Um, I think the important thing to remember here is everybody wants some sort of tax relief. Uh, and I think, as Katie mentioned, there's bipartisan support for a lot of these other ideas. Property tax relief, um, the standard deduction, the... Um, the social security exemption, I think, is another big one. And so I think there's going to be a lot of pressure to do something uh, for tax relief, uh, particularly with the surplus that's projected, and especially being an election year. Uh, We just may not know until this final 72 hours what that looks like. Well, you're taking the words out of my mouth here, Sherman, because it would seem to me you know, dereliction of duty at this point, if this legislature would once again walk away without cutting taxes in any way, uh, given that $3 billion budget surplus that's been sitting there for a while. And I think this is at the heart of why some of the the Republicans were were upset about having to vote for this. You know, they they saw this as a non-starter for getting it over the finish line. And they know that there are things that they can do to provide real relief Right. If if any of these, any one of these policies, uh, aside from the flat tax, were in a standalone bill, it would pass overwhelmingly. And I think we're just seeing like a, a growing anger and resentment among the base. In other words, that all these ideas have been lumped into one bill, and some lawmakers would prefer that they were be vote on separately. Sherman, is that what you're suggesting here? That's right. Of course, it never works that way. Um, a couple of years ago, they. They threw 29 pieces of legislation, some of which had never had a hearing, uh, all together at the last second and forced to vote on it. Um, you know, the idea is you you throw in a bunch of things that everybody likes so that you can get the one or two things that a lot of people don't like. Well, why does the flat tax legislative leadership, Sherman, has been sort of hanging with this idea for a number of years now? Why are they uh, why are they so convinced that a flat tax is the way to go? Well, I think the the 
the benefactors for their campaigns are telling them it's the right way to go. Right. right? I think that uh, we see powerful lobbying interests behind this and you know, they've tried to sell it as something that'll benefit all Kansans, even though I think people will quickly see through that. Hmm. If you're just joining us, we're talking about the possibility of tax cuts in Kansas and if there's still a chance that something might pass this session. Katie Bernard, again from the Star, Governor Kelly is, of course, interested in different kinds of tax reform, given that big budget surplus I've mentioned here. What can we expect from her on this front going forward now? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, Kelly's made it very clear that she wants Republicans to come to the table. I think it was in an interview on a different radio station. She said something to the tune of, I will negotiate on almost any tax policy aside from the flat tax. And so her push is going to be to try to get Republicans to the table to have a conversation with her about this and pass something that they all can agree on. The big uh, key that she's got in her pocket is she has threatened to bring them all back for a special session. I was just going to ask you about that. <laughs> okay. Which yeah. is an overtime session, essentially. This this mm-hmm. is a session that goes beyond the regular session that ends, what, in April or early May. This mm-hmm. would bring them back again later to say, we're not going home until something passes. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in addition to making them be in Topeka longer, because they don't have to pass anything if she brings them back. They can gavel in and gavel out. But for every day that lawmakers are in session, they're not allowed to fundraise for their campaigns. And it's a very key legislative campaign year. Oh, that's interesting. And so the betting line is that if nothing passes during the regular session, she's going to say, hey, we're going we're going to try this again later on. Exactly. Okay. Um, And it's also politically for Republicans to have a Democrat call them back into a special session for tax cuts will not be the best optics for them. Yeah. Sherman, that's an interesting idea, isn't it? What Katie just said, this idea that we're in election year. If Republicans can't get something passed during the regular session to have the Democratic governor say, come on back, we haven't gotten our work done when it comes to cutting taxes, that would really be a shot across the bow, wouldn't it? Well, it would. And, you know, with early voting for the primary happening in July, you know, a special session could be pushing closer and closer to that. It, it it would be better for Republicans to get this all put to rest now so that people have forgotten about it in two months. Um, remember, the, the governor formed a new PAC to support moderates on both sides of the aisle. Um, there's also a group of former uh, Republican office holders who have formed a a PAC to help support moderates. And so there's just intense pressure to do something right now. And what's your your thinking here? Are are Governor Kelly and legislative leaders talking, you know, these days, trying to work something out? Do you have any sense if if those conversations are at least happening? Yeah, I I would guess that those conversations are happening. You know, I think we saw this play from Republican leaders to try to get what they want without talking uh, to the governor or working with the governor. I think we could see the governor try to do the same now, and if she fails, then the two will have to come together. You know, really, I'm going to bang on this drum again, Sherman. It really does seem to be a classic case of politicians not being able to do what they're sent there to do, which is to compromise and work out agreements on the big issues of the day. Again, considering the the record-setting size of this budget surplus, I would think there'd be more pressure on these guys to get something done sooner rather than later. You know, I think the rank and file legislators on both sides of the aisle are really feeling that pressure. Yeah. 
Okay, let's move on to some other issues that are sort of kicking around the legislature right now. Katie, we talked in the news uh, right before you guys came on about Medicaid expansion. Uh, Boy, again, that's an issue that's been coming up over and over and over again. Republicans not budging on it. Do you see any crack in that uh, opposition right now or not really? The closest to a crack there is is that – at least the House Republican uh, House chair has committed to holding a hearing for Medicaid expansion this year. Um, the chair, Brenda Landwehr, is still adamantly opposed to Medicaid expansion. I don't expect her to move it out of the committee, but it will be the first hearing on the issue in several years. Why is she having a hearing if she's opposed to it so much? I think largely it's a big push from the uh, folks that want it is have a hearing, let's get the arguments out. And so We'll see what the makeup of that hearing is. There's a lot of ways that, you know, you can make sure that the opposition is there and is strong and has a lot of voice so that they they kind of control the narrative. But yeah. I think it's essentially to say, OK, we've heard you out. We still don't want to move forward. You know, it's well uh, documented that the leaders of the House and the Senate, the Republican leaders, are adamantly opposed to Medicaid expansion. Is it possible for lawmakers who favor the idea to get the issue for uh, to the floor for a vote despite that opposition from the two top leaders? It's technically possible, but it's a very high bar. Very tough, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. they need... They need a very large number of of members to vote against leadership to bring it to the floor. Okay. We'll be right back. You listen to this podcast every day because it's your KC local reliable news source. You take us seriously. But you know, we like to get down and we want you to party with us. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host, Ari Shapiro, is the featured guest at this party, and it's going to be bumping. You got to be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org slash radioactive. Well, again, let's uh, shift to a different issue here, Sherman, and that's abortion. Back in August of 2022, Kansans enshrined the right to an abortion into the state constitution. But as we mentioned on this show last week, Republicans are still trying to weaken uh, that. And I'm wondering, there are bills in both chambers on these issues. Sherman, can you tell us about the bill that would create a felony crime of coercion to obtain an abortion? Yeah, this uh, this bill was introduced in both the Senate and the House, um, identical bills, both both chambers. And, you know, the idea is to, you know, punish somebody who convinces someone to get an abortion by threatening physical or financial harm. Um, they could be threatening deportation or threatening to destroy or hide a passport or to control medications. Basically, if you convince somebody to get an abortion uh, after they said that they don't want one, you would have committed a felony crime. It would require at least 30 days of incarceration, um, up to one year in prison, fine of $500 to $5,000. Um, those penalties are a little bit stiffer if the father is over 18 and um, the the woman is younger than 18 and the that person is convicted of, of this crime. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's a... a Another in a long line of bills uh, since the the value them both amendment was shot down a couple of years ago. I think part of this is just demonstrating a relentless pursuit of uh, an ideology for their base. Um, it also is a way of testing votes in the chambers to know if there's somebody they want to target in a primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And it's also a good fundraising gambit. It strikes me as a pretty tough thing to try to prove, even if this law would pass, that proving coercion in a case like this, that would be pretty tough, wouldn't it, Sherman? It would be difficult to prove, but also, you know, the supporters for reproductive health care rights say it's just promoting this false narrative, the idea that women get an abortion because somebody has talked them into it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's it's something that really doesn't happen. Yeah. The other big bill on this abortion front, Katie, is the Kansas Ultrasound Act. What would that one do? Uh. Ultimately, my base understanding is that it would require an ultrasound before an abortion. Mm. That bill was introduced late last week. I haven't had a chance to look at it closely yet. Are these largely uh, popular among Kansas Republicans, or are there different factions within the party on these bills, Sherman? I think it's something that Republicans would support, but, you know, their enthusiasm for it, you know, varies from legislator to legislator, I think. Uh, it's not a priority for a lot of Republicans, but if forced to vote on it, they would support it. How are Democrats like Governor Kelly reacting to these bills, Sherman? Well, I think they they kind of seize on the the political opportunity here. They reiterate the idea that this is eroding a a right. This is the government trying to take your rights away, and that Kansans have spoke loud and clear about how they feel about this. Katie, your article out Friday focused on the conservative push to make it harder for independent candidate campaigns to succeed. What's behind that? What what, what are lawmakers thinking? Why would they want to make it harder for an independent candidacy to uh, actually uh, win an election? Yeah. I mean, initially, the the stated reason on the floor from the House was the idea that you know, too many candidates have the ability to get on the ballot without necessarily being serious. You know, they may do it for a personal vendetta. They may do it to tell stories to their grandkids. The clear backdrop is that independents have played a big role in Kansas governor elections for the last several years, and Republicans still blame Greg Gorman and Dennis Pyle for Governor Kelly winning in 2018 and 2022. Even though the votes uh, suggest that uh, uh, most recently, Dennis Pyle didn't get enough votes uh, that would have made any difference in that race between Kobach and Kelly, right? Correct. He he didn't, but the argument keeps getting made that maybe he reduced enthusiasm Mm. among Republicans broadly. Do you expect something like this to pass or can you tell? You know, it's it certainly could get picked up in the Senate. It's already passed in the House. Um, it strikes me as something the governor may well veto um, and it wasn't even close to a veto proof majority. Yeah. What other storylines are you going to be watching in the weeks ahead in the legislature, Sherman? We just got, uh, what, five or six weeks left, I think. What are you watching? You know, the only thing they have to do is pass a budget. Um, we'll We'll be looking at some of the things we've talked about today with taxes, Medicaid expansion, and abortion. Um, there's a couple of hearings this week, I think, on some uh, some more bills targeting the, the transgender community. Um, so those are some of the things on our radar. Okay, Katie, what are you watching as, as we head down the home stretch here? The closest thing I'm, I think I'm watching is the education budget because the Supreme Court released jurisdiction in the Gannon school funding lawsuit earlier this year. This will be the first budget cycle where lawmakers do not have active litigation over their heads as they decide how to fund our schools. And that suggests that maybe there might be a little less inclination to pass a fully funded education 
uh, formula of funding here or or not? That's the concern that the Democrats have. Um, Republicans say, you know, trust us. We funded the schools the last several years. We're not going to turn our backs. Interesting. Okay. Well, you did a, both did a great job getting us up to speed here on what's happening in Topeka as we head down the stretch. That was the voice of Katie Bernard, State House reporter for your Kansas City Star, Sherman Smith, editor in chief of the Kansas Reflector. Thank you both very much. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you, Steve. Up to date is a production of KCUR 89.3. The program is produced by Zach Wilson, Elizabeth Ruiz, Claudia Brancart, and Hallie Jackson. Our interns are Lauren Texter and Gabby Martinez. Paul Nakatura works our board. The theme music was composed by the great Bobby Watson. I'm Steve Kraske. Thanks for listening. <laughs>